Hey everyone, this is Ray Hilbert, your host here at Bottom Line Faith. We hope that during this time of the global pandemic that you and yours are safe and sound. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be presenting to you some of the best of episodes that we have recorded over the last few years here at Bottom Line Faith. We're doing this in order to bring you some of the best high-profile and specialized speakers to help you navigate this crisis in your leadership in the marketplace. We'll be back with you soon with some new episodes of Bottom Line Faith, but for now, we hope and pray that this episode will be of tremendous value to help you live out your faith in the marketplace. And now, the show that bridges the gap between faith and business. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith. Hello, everyone. This is Ray Hilbert. I am your host here at Bottom Line Faith. We'd like to welcome you to the program where our tagline here is Eternal Business, Real Life. And we we have guests uh, from a wide variety of business backgrounds, leadership backgrounds, uh, entrepreneurs, CEOs, occasional athletes and celebrities and so forth. But what all of our guests have in common is a love for Jesus and a desire to serve Him in the marketplace by living out their Christian faith. I am your host, Ray Hilbert. We're so excited you're here with us. If this is your first time, thank you for joining the program. If you're regular listener, buckle up. We are going to have an exceptional time here today. I am speaking with Denise Walsh, who's calling in. We're doing this one online today from the Grand Rapids, Michigan area. Let me just read just a couple of statements so you can begin to get to know Denise, although we're going to have a great conversation with her. She has helped over one million people find their purpose and fulfill their God-given destiny. Now, you might ask how she's done that. Well, she started her career by working with families through a local mental health agency as a clinical psychologist, and then she uh, kind of developed her skill set and went into the marketplace, and today is one of the world's leading consultants in a company called It Works Global. We're going to hear all more, uh, more about that from Denise. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to get to hang out and chat with you today. <laughs> yes. Now, uh, Denise, before we hear more about what you do and how you've inspired so many people to find their purpose in life and what God's calling is for them and, and through the marketplace, just give us a little bit of your background, your childhood, your faith journey. Just what do, you, what do our get, uh, listeners need to know about you? Yeah. So I grew up in the Detroit area in Troy, Michigan. And I grew up in church, really. I grew, went to a Methodist church. I was active in youth group. My mom was the handbell leader, so I did handbells throughout my middle and high school years. Um, and my youth group was really a safe place for me to grow um, with other adults outside my parents who I knew cared about me. And one of the cool things we did every year was go on a mission trip. And uh, every year, again, we'd you know go for a week and we'd paint houses or roof or meet with women. We, we did a lot of sort of things. And I remember one year I got to help pick where we go. And I had felt this stirring for, for some reason, I kept seeing North Carolina blue everywhere. I think maybe the boy I had a crush on wore that hat or something. Like I just started noticing it. And so when my youth leader said, do where should we go? North Carolina was on the list. And I said, Ooh, we should go there. I've, I've <laughs> later learned that God works in mysterious ways. And me noticing that blue was on purpose because not only did we go for a week in Asheville, North Carolina and roofed houses and drywalled and did all the things, I ended up going back there for two summers as a mm. counselor and helped lead other mission trips, people coming back. 
And then I decided that it was a lot of physical labor. And it was, <laughs> I was like, I just want to love people. I don't really want to work. Like, this was hard. And so I started looking for another camp to work at. And again, just kind of running into dead ends. And finally, I got an email. I must have signed up for a list or something. And I got an email that said, we love inner city foster kids. That's what we do. And I thought, that's it. That's for mm. me. And I spent two summers there working with inner city foster kids. And it was really through my youth group experiences and my camp counseling experiences that led me into the psychology world because okay. I truly felt like I loved to help people see just how awesome they are. Okay, so did you then get going to college? Is, is that what your degree was in? And then how did you make that transition to the business world? Yeah, so I, uh, I went to my undergraduate and got psychology, and that's when I was doing the, the counseling throughout the summers. And so then I, I ended up with a bachelor's in psychology, and they say, if you want to do anything with that, you need to get your master's. And I thought, okay, so I got my master's from Wheaton right outside Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then I got my first job. And I was working at a community mental health here in Michigan. It's a small community, so which means you do everything. You know, there's not yeah. a ton of resources. So I did substance abuse. I did on-call work. I worked with adolescents. I mean, I was 24 years old. So, of course, I got to see all the kids and adolescents because they thought they'd connect with me. I did a lot of groups, anger management, trauma stuff. And it didn't take long for me to start to feel my dreams start to shrink. You know, I I got out of school with these big dreams and I'm like, I'm going to change the world. (laughs) I I really like had this passion that I I knew I could make a difference. But in that situation, I was working with people that didn't really want help and in a really a a circumstance, like a situation that couldn't help them. You know, it was a lot of government work and underpaid, Mm -hmm. overworked, 80 client. You know, I, I got burned out quick. I went through what they call my quarter life crisis. And I remember feeling like I have two choices. I can either allow my dreams to shrink and be like, I guess this is adulting. Mm -hmm. I guess this is what you do. You live for the weekends. You're a zombie throughout the week. You go through the motions, but you're not really in it. Or I could figure out a way to reconnect with my spark and get that passion back because I knew what it felt like to love what I was doing. And Mm -hmm. so when I didn't love what I was doing anymore, I thought, I I don't know what to do. And so I stayed in that like restlessness, like I'm ready for my next step, but I don't know what that is for about five years until I found um, my direct selling company that allowed me to build a business on the side while I was still working. And within three years, we were able to quit our full-time jobs, my husband and I as well. And we've been full-time with our company for over 10. So it was that, that transition to entrepreneurship that gave me a space to use my skills in a different way. Well, that is really powerful. And, you know, it's, it's kind of cool that at such a young age, you were able to identify what I I want to come back to this term, use your spark, right? But you were able to identify what had caused that to kind of be extinguished and then find what would light that. So as we kind of dive into our conversation, what do you mean by the spark? Let's, let's talk about that. Yeah, good question. So spark to me means like what lights you up inside? What could you do for hours and things, time goes by so fast? What would you do for free all day if you could? And when I was at camp working with those kids in that way, 
I would, I mean, I kind of was doing it for free, but (laughs) I loved it. I felt like, like every day was on purpose. I was making a difference. I mattered and, and they mattered. I saw them grow. I think that was part of it. A lot of times with the kids, they would come back week after week because they're foster parents didn't really want them home all summer. So they would come back and we really would get to know them. And I would see them let down their guard. You know, they'd come to camp with their guard up and their head down. And I would see them start to connect and start to have fun and laugh and play in the grass and see the stars. And that transformation is really what I fell in love with. And because I, I knew what that felt like when it died, I, I, I could, I like, there is a part of me that said, I can't live the rest of my life like that. Now that I know what it feels like to love what I'm doing, I can't accept the possibility of living for the next 30 years, like angry or hating my life or, you know, just stuck. Yeah. So that's really powerful. And what I want to kind of learn more about is what would you have to, well, I'm past this question this way. What would you have to say to someone who's listening to you and I talk right now, and maybe they have started a business and it's just not going like they'd hoped, or maybe they're a leader in a company or an organization and they just feel trapped and maybe trapped by the bills, trapped by the lifestyle. Hey, I've got to send the kids to college. I've got to do this. I've got to take care of that. And that spark has been extinguished. What? How can they find that balance of meeting those financial needs and yet pursuing spark. Yeah, I, I hear you. We call it the golden handcuffs sometimes. That's, that's okay. part of the, the stuck. It can feel like I don't really have a, other options. Um, yeah. It could be buried in debt. It could be too much, too little time. You know, there's a lot of different ways stuck can happen. The first thing I would, I would suggest is to write down things that bring you joy. Like really, what are the things that light you up? And it can be taking a walk in the woods. It could be rock climbing. It could be reading. It could be crafting or whatever it is. And ask yourself, how often am I doing the things that bring me joy? Because we don't have to make a black and white switch to say, all right, I'm quitting this job that I do not like and entering something. It can be a slow revival. So what are the things that bring you joy? Really think about that. Ask yourself, what do I enjoy? And honestly, I, when I ask people this question, they think, oh, I've never thought about this before. <laughs> what, what do I like? And then put some of those things on your calendar. Be sure that you are saying yes to yourself sometimes and, and you can slowly start to rekindle that spark where you are. The other thing that you can, can start to do is you know, when you're, when you're rekindling your spark in your off time, that can bleed into your business and it can help you reconnect with why you got started in the first place. But if in five, like the other thing I say is if you picture your life in five years, you know, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. what do you really want it to look like? And is a, is a major pivot needed or can we find a way to really reconnect with, with your spark where you are? Well, as I've kind of had a chance to learn more about you prior to this conversation, I I know that some of the passion and the topics you love to talk about are things like how thoughts help shape and create our future, uh, the power of gratitude and starting our day in gratitude, and then, of course, 
the power of self-affirming words or, or, or saying out loud what you want to be true. Can you elaborate on any and all of those as it relates to this idea of kind of getting out of burnout into finding and living spark? Yeah. So one of the, these are my favorite topics. <laughs> one of the things that I know when I feel stuck and, and this is honestly one of the first things my coaching clients say to me is nothing's working. When I feel stuck, it's very easy to go into nothing's working. I don't like it. Um, you know, nobody likes me. I guess I'll go eat worms and live in a van yeah. down by the river. <laughs> we immediately go into this negative thinking and, and that's not serving us. It's certainly not helping us to get unstuck if that's our goal. It can be a cue. It can be a cue for a change. We can listen to it and say, all right, well, what something needs to, to change here. Something needs to shift. But if we truly want to live the life of our dreams, it does start in our thoughts first. And so I know that I have really worked on this myself to create new thought habits. So we have what, 70,000 plus thoughts a day and 90% of them are habitual. Mm. So if you think about you wake up in the morning and go brush your teeth, you don't think about it. You just do it. It's like ingrained in your brain. Well, our thoughts are similar. And so if our, our habitual thoughts are nothing's working, I don't like where I am. Um, this person at work is irritating me, you know, all of that, then those are the thoughts that are going to be consistently habitual in our life. So what we want to do is we want to retrain our brain. We want to shift our thoughts and really focus on what it is we want instead. And the reason why is because when we think about the things we want, we, we not only retrain our brain and create new neural pathways and new thought habits, but it also impacts our reticular activating system, which is a part of your brain's uh, back of the brain. That's your brain's filter. And it's, it allows you to see the things. Um, well, here's an example. If you uh, are looking for a car and you go test drive a Jeep and then all of a sudden you start seeing Jeeps everywhere, yeah, you know, yeah. they were probably already there. But your brain has now decided it's important to you because you're thinking about it and it's showing it to you. Yeah. So for me, when I was pregnant, I, I, you know, I saw pregnant people everywhere. Mm. I'm sure there were yeah. always pregnant people, but I didn't notice them until I was starting to think about it. So what I want to do and what I've been working on myself is to retrain my brain to focus on what it is I want so that way my brain knows what I want and I start to see those opportunities throughout my day. And as I've started implementing the, the affirmations in the morning and really honing in and being intentional about what I'm thinking and raising my um, energy body with a gratitude, like really, again, that re-triggers what you see and you start to see more of what it is you truly want. Um, Earl Nightingale says you become what you think about. And the more I learn about this, I'm like, it's, not just a nice thing. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's proven in science and Jesus said it the whole time. Yeah, without question. And, and just a, a minor segue or a little transition there is we, we see this with our young people who are so tied up in social media and the desire for the likes and the comments and those things and, and capturing every moment in life and trying to post it online because it, it is the brain begging for affirmation, right? It is the mind and the, and, and the brain just saying, I, I want to focus on something positive. I need that 
reflected back to me. Is that all kind of connected to what we're talking about here as well? Yeah, we all want feedback and we yeah. all want validation. And so when you give yourself that validation and you build your internal strength, the less you need it from other people. And what happens then, and this is, I'm mm. actually working on a teenage journal right now for this very reason, because the stronger you are in, you, in knowing who you are and being proud and confident in who you are, the less emotional strengths other people have with you you know they can do something but it's not gonna you're not gonna react as you would if you were emotionally connected to what they were thinking or saying so building our internal confidence building our internal strength knowing who we are in Christ all of those things allow us to have our our self-validation so we don't need it from other people as much yeah. So in, in your experience, Denise, and, and oh, by the way, before we go on, I'm sorry, I meant to do this a few minutes ago. So forgive me. As someone is listening and they want to connect with you, they want to learn more about you or how to find you online or social media, where, where is the best place or how's the best way for someone to, to reach out to you? Yeah, I'm on Facebook mostly, uh, the Denise Walsh, and then uh, Instagram and now TikTok. I know. I know. I'm trying, trying it. See how it goes. <laughs> It's actually super fun. And I thought if I'm writing a teenage journal, I should, I should try TikTok out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So Denise, um, this, this ch uh, teenage workbook or this teenage study guide, what did you call it here that you're working on? Journal. Journals. I'm sorry. Yeah. Teenage journal. Um, is that um, getting into the world of social media and its impact or what's the focus of that? Because a lot of our listeners obviously are going to want to know more. Yeah. So the Dream Life Teen Journal is going to have the same flow as my other journals. I have two uh, goal setting type journals for adults. And what it does, it, it's got several sections. So the first one is a prayer. And then it has a section called Eyes Wide Open. And with Eyes Wide Open, we, I, we talk about where you're seeing God work in your life. Again, to answer that question, what is working? Right. Because it's very easy to focus on what's not. And then we have a gratitude game. And the gratitude game can be something like, in you know, what what would you, what advice would you give to your 10-year-old self? Or where do you see yourself in 10 years? Or, um, you know, what makes a good friend? Um, you know, just uh, that the gratitude game is really a reflection place um, yeah. like to build the emotional quotient, essentially, of um, of the kids. It could be, I actually went to high schools and interviewed them and, and gave them a list of gratitude games and they highlighted their favorites that I included in the book. But one is, you know, what are the things that bring you joy? What do you do when you're feeling sad? Mm -hmm. uh, what is something that's bothering you right now? Just write it out. Who's somebody you admire? So the gratitude game is the, the learning portion of, of the journal. And then we go into labeling your dream life goal, your affirmations and visualization for that one goal, because that creates your personal vision. You see yourself three steps ahead of where you are now. Right. And then we have dream life action because we have to do something every day in order to get there. So the idea is that it builds their inner strength as well as gives them tools for when they're mm -hmm. having a hard time um, with the third step of, of, setting a goal, breaking it down and being and building those success habits. 
Well, I love that. And, and I think far too few teens and frankly, adults really are educated and equipped on gratitude and goal setting. And as I'm listening to what you're talking about with this teen journal, I'm reflecting recently a guest on our program, Titania Jordan, with a company called Bark uh, out of Atlanta, Georgia. And Bark is actually a technology platform that um, families can subscribe to, get their kids. It tracks everything that's going on in the background on their social media. It's artificial intelligence. They've intercepted um, like school shootings and bullying and all sorts of things. But, but what I want to do is tie it back to what you're talking about is whether we're adults, teens, whatever, this positive imagery. I, I want to repeat what you said here, that when the more you validate yourself the less you need it from others. I don't know if I wrote that down perfectly as you said it, but it's inconsistent with what Tatani was saying that the power of social media is about validation and everybody having a voice to be heard. And that first voice needs to be God's voice inside of us affirming who he's created us to be. And that's a big passion point for you, right? I mean, that's really the root of this. Can, can you elaborate on that just a moment? It really is. I mean, I feel like the reason I got into psychology is because I could see people three steps ahead of where they saw themselves. I felt like I saw them the way God saw them. I didn't see them yeah. from their past or their hurts or their mistakes. I saw them because I saw their strengths and, and the way that they could add value in the world. And, and what, and, and most people, including adults don't see themselves that way. And so I feel like the more we really connect with who God created us to be, Mm. The, the stronger we are inside and the more light we shine. And there needs to be more people who truly like own that in the yeah. world because yeah. then they're going to have the confidence to do the things that God has called them to do. And your faith really is, is, is the driver right behind what you've done in business. And so that's really what we're about here. Bottom line faith is, as I talked about in the opening, the eternal business, real life, the, the eternal purpose of, living and being in business, but the real life demands that we have while on this side of eternity, how does your faith shape how you conduct your business, how you build into others who may not have a faith background, but how does your shape, uh, faith shape your business in a career? I feel like my faith impacts the way I view people. It, it impacts the way I see them, which then impacts the culture I create within my organization. I know that when people have a safe place to be who they are without judgment, um, without yeah. condemnation, without anything, they are then able to let down their guard and start to thrive. And so within our organization, we've really worked to create a trust, um, strength focused, you know, really focusing on, on elevating strengths and, and as a team, we can complete each other because we're all good at different things and, and create that place where people want to grow. And because the trust is there and the belief is, is, is part of the culture, um, I find that transformation happens mm. over time because they feel safe in this space. And I think that is where the transformation happens is really allowing them to let down their guard. And that happens because we believe in them. When I hear you say um, safe and, and to kind of be free, you know, something that comes to mind for me is most people have a real difficult time of forgiving themselves. They, they, they sometimes can forgive others before they can forgive themselves. What is the role of all that in helping people discover their God-given potential about, you know, getting free from their guilt, from their shame? What's that look like? 
Yes. This is a whole session in my one-day workshop. Oh, really good. We got a good days. topic here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm all ears. It's my one-day workshop, which I just met with my event planner, we're like, someday this is going to be three days because there's like, you can talk like it's, you can go as deep as you can, you know, but um, the first session is Spark and that's where we connect with your life purpose. And again, like reminded who you are. The second session is release and release is the most powerful session in the workshop because we don't give ourselves space to do this. And in release, we talk about the power of forgiveness because you cannot create when you're emotionally three steps behind. And when you are hanging on emotionally to the past, whether it's a, I wish I could have, should have, would have done something different, or I messed up, or someone else hurt me, and that was super rude, um, our, our emotions are focused in the past. It's like looking in the rearview mirror while you're driving, right? It just doesn't mm. work. And you can try harder. You can even, you know, if you're, it's kind of like driving with the reverse, um, with the reverse brake on. What is that called when you pull it up? <laughs> yeah, the emergency brake. The emergency brake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like going down a hill with your emergency <laughs> brake on. You can either try to go faster and try harder, or you can release the brake. Mm. And when you release the brake, you will automatically like start rolling fast. Things will start working out. And so in release the session, we, we really identify, we talk about the importance of it, the power of it. But then um, we also write letters to it. We write letters to Ooh. ourselves um, and, and let go guilt of guilt. And then we write a letter to someone else and offer forgiveness. And at the end of each letter, I give them space to write it and then to read it to a partner um, at the end, we say forgiveness is a choice, a daily choice I make for myself. And now that I've made it, I am free. And, and the affirmation is I did the best that I could with the information I had at that time. And the same goes for resentment. They did the best they could with the information they had at that time. If, and, and so I think that if we, and it's a daily choice, I don't expect one letter to fully heal or offer healing, but it is an onion layer. And it's important that we work through this stuff and that we allow God into those spaces to heal because I really do feel like that's, um, you know, that's the catalyst. Uh, when we're walking around with all of that baggage, it's, it's hard to step into our next best self. Wow. I, I wrote that down. I love that. I did the best that I could do given the information I had at that time, which I think is a great segue for another question I'd love to ask. And as, it, as you look back over your own career, um, maybe what's the biggest mistake or bad decision you made and how have you processed that? And what did God teach you through that? Oh, I've had to learn my own or use my own skills. <laughs> my husband sometimes will be like, will you please read your book? I'm like, I know. When I wrote, so I had experienced success in our industry, in my company, and it was 2015, five years ago now, we hit the tippity tippity top of our company. And I was getting all of these questions. How do you do it? Tell me everything. If I were a fly on your wall, you know, and I thought I can't answer this in a message. You know, this is not just like a one liner. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot here. This is 10 years of learning and pivoting and growing and becoming and 
all of these things. And so I wrote Design Your Dream Life because I wanted to give people a roadmap to that success. You know, it's a being and then doing type of experience with workbooks or like work worksheets within it. And it came out a year after I expected it because I had to learn a lot. <laughs> I didn't know anything about publishing. I didn't know anything about writing a book. I didn't know anything about ISBNs or book covers or anything. And so I was working with a designer that um, didn't know either. And so we were, you know, $15,000 later, I came out with a product I had to completely redo. Wow. And I remember feeling like beating myself up, um, not sleeping at night, thinking maybe I'm not cut out for this. My husband would have made better decisions if he were in charge. You know, I messed it up. I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I really allowed it to keep me back for quite a while until I did this exercise myself. Yeah. And I had to say, I did the best that I could with the information that I had. Now that I know better, I will do better. I got connected with a group of people that have been in the publishing industry for 10 years and it was redone in three months. So, I mean, do I wish those mistakes on anyone? No. Do I wish I would have done it differently? Sure. But I did the best that I could with the information that I had and it all ends up working out in the end. You know what they call that? $15,000 right there. That's called tuition. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right? What an education, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. Folks, we are speaking with Denise Walsh out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. And you can check her out online at denisewalsh.com or as she shared with us on Facebook uh, and TikTok, right? It's kind of hip. I've got to check into that. I know my kids are on it and all that, but I got to learn about that. Denise, what I'd like to do is we kind of transition kind of into the, the final area. Um, we didn't talk about this ahead of time, so I, I hope this isn't too big of a curveball. What I'd like you to do is for the next, say, two to four minutes, I'm just going to be quiet. And I would like you to offer up whatever words of encouragement, of uplifting, um, affirmation, whatever that you feel would be most important for someone who's listening to our conversation, who is discouraged, maybe wrestling to find their identity in their business or in their community or in their home for that matter. They're wrestling and in, in leadership, whatever. They're just discouraged. So I'm just going to be quiet and just, just encourage as God leads you to encourage. Mm. Well, I pulled up my favorite verse because I didn't want you to ask me that question and me not know it. <laughs> I pulled it up and I'll start with that. Um, it's Isaiah 6, 8. And it says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. And that is my, I was the kid that was like, me, me, I'm here, use me. And I feel like anyone in leadership, anyone in entrepreneurship, anyone who has impact and influence within their community probably has said something similar. I'm here, use me. And along the way, people happen <laughs> and start to feel that spark start to wane. Um, but what I know is that spark is still there. It just may need to be fanned back into a flame. And so what I recommend to anybody who is feeling discouraged or stuck 
who is feeling like, I don't know if there's a way out. I don't know if I'm on the right path anymore. Maybe I need to make a change. Maybe I need to cr create some more support in my life is to sit down and journal and, and really allow yourself to answer the following questions. What is it that I want? Why do I want it? And what am I willing to change or do in order to create it? And when I say, what do I want? This is not a selfish question. It's not a, because I have people say, well, what does God want? Well, I truly do believe that God put that spark in my life. God put those desires in, in my heart. And so I trust as I'm praying and journaling that when I ask myself, what do I want? What do I want? What do I want? What's important to me? Um, that those are God-given desires. Uh, and so what do I want? Why do I want it? And what am I willing to do or change in order to get it? And I'll end with this thought about gratitude and vision. I feel like that's really where the magic happens when we marry the two. I love where I am and I know where I'm going. I can see myself three steps ahead while I enjoy the journey. And if we can start each day in that space of gratitude with a God-given desire in our heart, that, that personal vision that gets us up in the morning where we see ourselves three steps ahead of where we are today and we're so stinking excited to get there while we enjoy the journey. You'll find that the house starts to show up, uh, magic seems to happen, momentum can be created and you'll find that spark again. Whew. Uh, my hand's tired from taking notes. <laughs> You know, I love it. You know, going through this process out of Isaiah 6, 8, you know, raising your hand saying, here I am, Lord. And and what is it that I want? And why do I want it? What am I willing to do in order to get it or achieve it? And then I love this. I want to make sure I wrote this down right, okay? The marrying of gratitude and vision. I love where I am, and I also love where I'm headed. Did I catch that okay? I love where I am, and I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. Oh, thank you. So I was writing so fast. I Same, same difference, but... I love that. And so um, as we kind of wind down here, I, I, I'd like to just ask you, did you think that you would, at age 20 have this viewpoint and understanding of life? And if not, what would you go back and say to the 20-year-old <laughs> Denise if she would listen? Oh, when, okay, this was me at 20. <laughs> I like, I was working with foster kids thinking, I'm going to have Michael W. Smith come and sing a concert for them. And then I realized they would not at all want to hear Michael W. Smith sing, but I was like, this is going to be awesome. Um, when I was 20 years old, I was still, I was still, uh, I was sparked, you know, and I, I really had felt that connection and I had felt God move in my life. And I had seen the how show up in ways that I learned to really trust that next direction. And so if I were to go back and talk to my 20-year-old self, I would say, like, like, never lose it. Like, continue mm. to trust and continue to do things that keep your spark alive because um, I have spent years um, looking for it. And, and I, I, you know, those, even just talking about it, I'm like, yes, that's what this life is all about. And you found it. So, gosh, I almost wish we didn't have this conversation. I'm just having a blast here. 
let, let's because I, I do I have two more questions we'll wrap up thank you so much for being here today you're just this has been fun for me anyway it's been a blast um, here's what I'd like to ask you if you um, if we were to end this conversation right now we, we we quit recording we quit talking and you know five minutes down the road you would think I wish he would have asked me but he didn't what would that question be oh that's a good question okay so I had somebody ask me this question once and then I didn't answer it well. So then afterwards I'm like, dang it, I should have said this. <laughs> we got a do-over today then. Yeah, we got awesome. a do-over. We did okay. get a do-over. And the question was, is what did you want to do when you were a kid? Like, what did you want to grow up as, you know? Hmm. And it took me a minute to think about it. And then I remembered I wanted to be an anchor person on the news. And I went into the, the communications when I was in college and again, I, and I really loved speaking. Um, I, loved, I loved preparing presentations and doing them, even in elementary or middle school. I remember wow. loving it. Wow. And, um, and then again, in communications, there's like, there's no jobs, but like, what do you do? Like, there was no personal, there was no like public speaking track, you know, at least where I was. I never knew anybody who did it. And so I realized I didn't really want to be on the news. I just really wanted to be on camera. <laughs> And, and so when I think back now to those things that lit me up even back then, I, I realize it all happens for a reason and to honor those, those excitements because now I'm on YouTube and now I speak around the world and now I'm like, and I've been able to marry the psychology with the speaking and it's like all coming full circle. So I feel like all of the the jobs or the experiences or the the things that I really pursued for a season all make sense now. And they might not have made sense at that time, but now I can look back and see where it all lines up. I love it. I love it. Because when I was a kid, I was, I was wanting to be Johnny Bench. You know, I wanted to be a major league baseball player. And now I just get a chance to catch some of the greatest conversations in the world oh, <laughs> and, and have some of these great guests <laughs> such as yourself. And so, Denise, thanks. This has been so much fun. I'm glad I asked you that question. I don't know that I've ever asked one of my guests that question. I'm not even sure why I was supposed to, but I, you got a do-over. I so. got a do-over. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm happy to serve you in that way. I didn't even know. <laughs> so, Denise, the last question that I've asked every one of our guests here on Bottom Line Faith, so our regular listeners already know what's coming. It's, it's what I call my, my 423 question. It's based out of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, where Solomon writes, Above all else, guard your heart, for from it flows all of life. So as we wind down our conversation, what is, fill in the blank for us, your above all else advice? What is that one piece of advice you'd love to leave our listeners with today? Mm, I love, above all else, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. Amen. I teach at our events about Care Bear staring. You know, you care the Care Bear stare is like, and that beaming, like that's, that's kind of what we do in the world. But my above all else is, is really connected to your life purpose, because I truly do believe that everybody here is created for a specific and special reason. And you have gifts and skills that are unique to you that will benefit the world and cause a ripple effect around no matter where you are. And so if you've never thought about this, like what is my life mission? What is my life purpose? 
create some space to do that because what happens is when you are really connected to that spark, when you're connected to that life purpose, when what you are doing is, is then connected to who you be, I, I say go, it goes from your head to your heart. You want to, but now it's like, I am. I am living my life purpose. All of a sudden, the no's don't feel as, you know, roller coastery or, you know, you don't, you may have hit speed bumps instead of stop signs and things because you're just so connected to where you're going and what you're doing. So for me, helping people really identify what their life purpose is and connecting it to what they're doing has been a way to help rekindle their spark. That is so good. Denise, I just want to close our conversation by saying, I am so glad that God chose to put you on this earth to brighten up the world and to encourage as you over a million, you know, millions of people, God's allowing you to bless and to encourage. I want to thank you for leaning into that calling, living out your calling and uh, pursuing that spark. So thank you for that. And thank you for being our guest here at Bottom Line Faith. Thank you so much. It's been awesome. Well, folks, what an amazing conversation we've had today with Denise Walsh. And isn't it just really encouraging and uplifting to hear from someone like her that God has clearly wired her, clearly gifted her to bless and encourage and inspire so many people. You know, when we live in this world that so often can be discouraging and kind of overwhelming with all the forces of darkness and obstacles and challenges that we face, just to know that there are uh, individuals, uh, women like Denise out in the marketplace, helping us discover and live out our God's calling. And I hope you've been blessed. I hope you've been encouraged by today's episode. And that's really what we're all about here at Bottom Line Faith, is to be here as an encouragement to you as a follower of Christ about what does it look like to become who and what God has called you to be in the marketplace. So until next time, I am your host, Ray Hilbert at Bottom Line Faith, encouraging you to live out your faith each day in the marketplace. See you soon. Bottom Line Faith is brought to you by Truth at Work. If you'd like to hear about new episodes or listen to past episodes, visit us online at bottomlinefaith.org. You can also subscribe to the show through Google Play and iTunes.